You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. The wonderful opportunity to be here on this night. Beautiful night. I think it's a good night to go fishing, personally, but I mean, I, um, I, I got to thinking about my Cajun kinfolk down the bayou. There was, um, they came to Bailu Fouche and they couldn't cross the bayou, two Cajun boys fishing there, and one of them wanted to get across the bayou. He said, man, hi in the world. He said, I want to get across on the other bank. He said, I don't know how to get there. We don't have no boat. We don't have nothing like that. And the, I figured you Texans can understand what Cajun's all right. <laughs> so Boudreaux said, to told Thibodeau, he said, I'm going to turn the flashlight on. He said, you walk across the beam on the other side. He said, man, he said, man, I'm not going to do that. I know better than that. I'm going to get halfway there. You're going to turn the beam off. He said, I'm going to do that. It's like the, the Cajun boy came to, to visit his buddy, and he knocked on the door, and the wife let him in, said, I'm here to see Boudreaux. He said, well, he's find him in the backyard. So, and he's out there for 15 minutes. He come back in. He said, I can't find him anywhere. She said, you need to dig a little deeper. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's what some need to do, right? Exodus, if you would, please, in your Bibles. Exodus. Well, the angel talked a little bit about the, you can be seated, I'll, I'll ask you to stand just a moment, but, I, but we're going to get there. He preached from 17, I think, about holding man God's hand, and I, I leaned over to Kim, I said, I'm going to talk a little bit from 19 and 20 tonight. I, I got thinking, I was looking around, of course, a, a lot of folks have left, but um, I, I'm, I'm extremely excited about the new building, and uh, of course, um, Excited about it for your future. Just wonderful. It's going to be great. And uh, I love the Che family very much and the whole bunch. And they were young. They were youngins when they came to our place all those years ago. Well, Angel asked me about Papa Che, about him coming. And I said, well, Mama Che started coming and I went to visit Papa Che. He didn't much care for me. I have a lot of men in my church that are now some of my most faithful men who didn't much care. When you're living in sin, you don't much like preachers. I'll talk a little bit about that tonight. There's something about individuals that are exposed to the preaching word of God. You run away from God. But he came one too many times and the Holy Ghost smote him and got him. And so that's the problem when you subject yourself to the preaching word of God. It, something will happen to you. It always does. So, but I love them very much and appreciate them. If you went to, to Northwest Bible Baptist Church or Providence Baptist College, would you stand right now? We had a bunch that left, but I saw some here, and we got a missionary, and, and uh, I mean, some good youngins here. Those are some good youngins. Even Hector back there. Hector back there from Mexico. He flew in all the way from Mexico just to be here tonight. But he went to Africa with us. He was in Africa with us, and they're starting some churches out there in Africa, and you pray for that. But this is a good group, and I, I love them very much, all of them. And I miss them tremendously. Jack doing a good job in missions. And uh, 
and Brother Walker were talking this morning, his smaller boy, uh, he was about the same age as his smaller boy when they came to, to Northwest, to see him grow up. And, and uh, Kim and I are going to uh, hijack and uh, steal uh, their daughter. She's just absolutely, totally impressed with my beard. And I, I don't know if she thinks I'm Santa Claus, but she, she'll, she'll just want to come to me and she stares at my beard like that. <laughs> Sport one, but I went to Africa, stayed 40, but I started over in Africa when I was there, right, Hector, and I started growing it. And uh, I'm going to shave it as soon as hunting season over with. But I'm a Cajun, they hunt 12 months a year, so I'm not quite sure when I'm going to shave it. But anyway, thank you, God bless you, may be seated. I, Brother Angel said something this morning so true. I, I don't think you understand how we feel about you. And uh, to know that uh, Terry and Joyce Angel have been a lifelong friend and love them very much, and that Brother Angel, brother, both of them really, Brother and Miss Angel, both have dedicated their lives at Providence Baptist College now for 25 years almost, Terry, driving every week, and faithful, by the way. He's always fussing at me because he's always trying to get on the plane, go back to teach, where I'm still on the road sometimes, but but just faithful, brethren, and, and investing in others is such a wonderful thing. It really is. And thank the Lord for all that you have done for Kim and I while we're here in the good uh, food today. Um, it, it's just, Korean food's a great, a great food. It really is, and I've always enjoyed it. Not quite Cajun, but it, it's, it's, it's close anyway, so. Exodus, if you would, please. And let's stand right now, if you would, and we'll, if you can, if you can't, don't worry about it. But I just want to, I just, if you just let me chat with you a little bit tonight about some things, and we've already heard some good preaching already, but it's amazing how the Lord kind of dovetailed that thing from Sunday to today, and then now I just want to talk a little bit uh, from some portions of scriptures I think would be a help and a blessing if you listen. I want you to pick it up, if you would, please, in, in 19, Exodus 19. And uh, pick it up, if you would, in verse 7. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people <clears throat> and laid before them their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because you know when you obey the word of God, God will bless you in a great way. Amen. There's only one problem with that. Typical independent Baptist, long on lips, short on life. They said this is what we're going to do, but I want you to see it. They were scared of that dark cloud. I want you to see it, that thick cloud that the Lord was going to descend and speak. And I want you to see it, if you would please, look in verse 12. This is what scared them more than anything, and it scares most of the people that we preach to. Thou shalt set bounds. You ought to underline that word. That's what they were scared of, being restricted. Bible preaching will restrict you. And thank God that it does, or you're going to be with that other ungodly crowd out there that you hear and see on the news media every other day. And if you don't believe me, you don't understand your flesh, my friend. Don't you dare think that you can't be anything that you hate out there if you get away from the Lord and be just let the flesh go with it. Are you with me? They don't like the boundaries. 
any more than you did when your parents said you're going to stay within these parameters. And when that man of God does what he's supposed to do around here and he preaches this book the way that he's going to put parameters around this place and tell you this is what God expects of you and if you want to do the right thing, obey his word. We're not trying to control you. We're not dictators. We're trying to tell you what God says. I like what the old man said, Brother Howell said, every now and again, they, they, they need to accuse you of being a dictator because you're trying to lead and real leaders are always, always going to be shot at. And if you're too emotional to handle that, you don't need to be in the ministry. You have to get some backbone somewhere. Just eat your big keg of stinking dynamite powder or something. Chew on some bullets or something. So what are you talking about? I'm talking about it's, it's sad what I see today many times where it, it, they get so emotional that they just end up blowing up. You can't do that. You have to settle down and understand that God has some, some schools he needs to put you in to toughen you up. You know, like two-a-days in football. Like military combat. Put you through some trials and testing. We've been talking about that. Put you in the closet somewhere where you ask and seek and knock. You got it? When the preacher preaches that, don't worry about him preaching bounds because there's enough people out there that have no boundaries. And there's enough rock and roll churches all over this area that have no boundaries. Don't you ever blame your preacher for having more boundaries maybe than you have. You better thank God that at least he has enough backbone to preach it. Now, once you look at it, you're going to put bounds because if you don't stay within the boundaries, you're going to die. Look at it. See the last part of that? You better stay within it. You see, God wants us to listen carefully. And let me tell you what the interpretation of this. God wants us to worship him. He wants us to fellowship with him. He wants our devotion, but he wants it the way he wants it, not the way we want it. Listen carefully. What you're seeing all across this country, these big conglomerates of rock and roll churches, they're worshiping God the way they want to. This is why you get these things. Come do church different or how we do church different or whatever they do. I don't, some of that, I don't even read advertising. It's so screwy. You see, you can't fool some of us boys that were saved off the street at 20 years old. We've been to the barrooms, and we know when we went in the barrooms what it looked like, and when we come to a church and it looks like a barroom, you ain't fooling me. Might fool these little Baptist brats, but you're not going to fool Keith Gomez. That's what I'm trying to say. And what I see, I see a bunch of trash out there, and it's sad, preacher, that we've got some people within our congregation that's leaning that way because the Internet is pastoring them. We're not pastoring our people anymore. And so this is what happens. So, so I want you to see it, if you would please. Moses went down to the mount. You see it in verse 14. And verse 16, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings. See that? Thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud. Now, folks, listen, please. It's not black words on a white piece of paper. Put yourself in that story, please. Y'all come over here. <laughs> I mean, what in the world? When God shows up, he's going to blow a lot of stuff up. He's going to blow our lives up. Because we think we got it all together and we just don't. Look at it, what it does. I mean, I mean, all that stuff was happening. That thick cloud came upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Isn't that amazing? That's what we need to do. If we ever need anything in our churches, we need the fear of God back in our churches one more time. We need, to, we need to experience him. We can sing about him. 
but do we really want him to show up? We talk about him showing up, and we think he shows up just because we shed a little tears and kind of feel a little fun. I'm talking about when he comes up. He's going to destroy a lot of stuff. He's going to blow it up. He, you're going to try to look at Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the camp. Do you see that? At the nether part of the mount. Did you read what I read a while ago that they're going to, we'll do everything you tell us to do. We, you're not going to do what I tell you to do if you're not going to meet with me because I came to talk to you and now you're running from me instead of to me. I want you to see it, please. Look at, uh, look in verse 18 in Mount Sinai. Of course, they were camped there. The man of God went up to get the Ten Commandments, did he not? And the smoke because of the Lord descended upon it in fire and smoke. There ascended the smoke of the furnace, and the whole mount quake greatly. Think about, put yourself there, this thing happening, this whole picture's happening, and the whole earth is shaking, and the fire, and the thundering, and the trumpet. God wants to speak. When he wants to speak, he'll make a grand entrance. We don't. He does. And he has the right to. And I want you to see it, please. Moses went up. He went up to get what God had for him. And I want you to see in verse 22, he asked for them to come near. The Lord wants, look at me carefully, please. The Lord wants us near. Many times we come to church, and I was saved out of Roman Catholicism, and sometimes we come to church and I see Baptists are doing the same thing I did when I was Roman Catholic. You just come to be a part, be a part of the herd instead of really drawing close. We're more worried about what people think about us than what God thinks about us. We're more about our reputation than our character. Our religious life and our, our character is not determined by what we do in the limelight, but what we do in an ordinary life when we're not in the spotlight. What do you do when no one else is watching? I want you to see a turnover, if you would please, uh, to 20, chapter 20. He goes up. He gets what he's going to get the commandments, and he comes down, and when he comes down, he hears one of the rock and roll churches got started up. And the first thing they do when they get in a rock and roll church is start taking the clothes off. Say amen right there. Mm-hmm. He heard that drum beat. He heard, heard stuff going on. He come down, and you know the story, and I don't want to get into that because I could preach all night on that, right? But I want you to pick it up in verse 18. And all the people saw the thundering and the lightning and the noise and the trumpet and the mountain smoking. They got impatient with the man of God coming off the mount. Preacher talked a little bit about that this morning. You're going to have to be patient and hold the man of God's hand up. Don't, don't, it, in time, God's going to do some things. And look what they did. And when the people saw it, they did what? They removed and stood afar off. Wait a minute. God said, I want you to come near. And they're running. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let, us not, let not God speak with us, at least we die. Isn't that amazing? I think, I think, it's, I think it's very unusual. And I want you to see it, please. Uh, look in verse 21. And the people stood afar afar off, and Moses drew near under the thick darkness where God was. If we need anything in our churches and at Heritage, we need to draw near 
to the dark cloud. Don't be, a, don't be scared of God. Fear him, but don't be scared of him. And when he shows up and when he wants you in the place, you better get to it. Don't run from him. By the way, this started in the garden. Did it not? You're going to tell me God didn't know where Adam was? Adam! They met face to face. I think I said something about it last time I was here about the face to face. I don't know what I did last time, but, but I, I did a mini series on, on having a face to face with God. And somewhere, somehow, is this thing on? I'm not sure if I even turned this thing on. Uh, if, if somewhere, somehow, we're going to have to understand that God wants us to have a face to face with Him. Now, now I can read if you want to continue to read, and we won't do it, but the book says that. I want to see your face. And the Lord said, no, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to put my hand over it. You can see my hinder part. Because no man will see me. Did you read that? I mean, you read that before. No man will see me and live. No. Are you kidding me? You know how, much, how many times I've been through that book? You know how many times I've seen where God said, you need to see me and see my face? Well, why is he saying, no man sees my face, at least he die and live? But yet God says to seek his face. I think that's unusual. That's not, a, that's not a contradiction. He just said, if you can ever see my face, you're going to die. And I want to talk a little bit on that subject. Because see, what happened here is they got uncomfortable with God. I started to preach a whole message tonight on being uncomfortable with God. There's a lot of people uncomfortable with God. When God wants you to show up to him, going to get uncomfortable. Please listen to me. If you're going to ask and seek and knock the way the preacher talked about, and if you're going to hold a man God's hand up and the battle's going to come somewhere, somehow, you're going to have to understand what God wants to do in you and through you and for you. And it's going to get uncomfortable. Because let me tell you what happened when this long-haired, freaky, bearded hippie got saved in that congregation all those years ago. I got uncomfortable. And preaching ought to make you uncomfortable. Amen. Sick to death of all this other stuff. If, a, if you're not getting a conviction of the preaching, my friend, something's not right with the preaching or something's not right with you. It ought to be uncomfortable. And then he told me about cutting the hair. And then I saw it from the scriptures. And the closer I got to God, the more I, I wanted to run from him. Because when the preacher kept preaching, I wanted to run from him. But I kept obeying him. And the reason I am where I am is because I kept obeying God no matter how uncomfortable I became. Be seated. Need to tithe. Uncomfortable. At St. Bingo's, we did it different. Sit still. I said at St. Bingo's, we did it different. We didn't have the tithe. I didn't know what tithing meant. I never heard the term in my life. Uncomfortable. Cut your hair. Uncomfortable. Dress right. Uncomfortable. Missions, uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. Everything the preacher preached, I was uncomfortable. There's only one thing that I understood that I was, I've been lied to for 20 years and I come to one service and got born again by the Spirit of God because I heard the truth. And now I'm not going to get uncomfortable with anything anymore. If I'm beginning to get uncomfortable, I'm going to just have to change because I'm going to obey God's word. And I kept plowing through and then God began to open things up for me. I, I want you to see it. There, there's a way to seek God's face in his presence without dying physically. 
And what he told, what he told Moses, he said, if you see me, no man will live. And see me. But yet, look at 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called, you want revival? Let me show you how to have revival. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Preacher said the other day, I guess, we can't even get through the first hurdle. I'm not being unkind when I say it. I'm being honest with you. We think humility is for some reason, oh, shucks. Dustin's back here. Dustin flies a little plane, remote control thing. Uh, I, I, I was one of the top flyers at United at one time in my life, but if he, if he comes out of the cockpit and he says, oh, shucks, I'm not worthy to fly this plane. I'm getting off the plane. <laughs> I'm getting off the plane, man. You know what I want to hear from him, and you do too when you get on the plane? Folks, God bless you. Glad you're here. We're going to have a good trip. Clear skies. No turbulence. It's going to be wonderful. That's what you want to hear. I want to hear confidence. That's not pride. That's confidence that he knows what he's doing. I'm simply saying that, that we need to understand that, that the path of the blood where repentance is found in the New Testament will get us there. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Humility is something where you understand who you really are and what you really are. It's not saying they, oh, shucks, I don't deserve it. Are y'all with me? Yes. Humble yourself and pray as the preacher preached and seek my face. So why would God tell us to seek his face if he said, if you see my face, you're going to die? Our text in the verse, when Moses wanted to see God's glory, the Lord warned him that no man can see me and live. Look at it, if you would, in Exodus 33. Go over there. I, I started not to read, but I'm, just go there and look at it. Exodus 33. Impediment verse 15, if you want to, and just read on down. But basically he said, you know, no man's going to see me. See, he said, you just, and look at verse 15. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Now, my point being is our text is right here in this, this portion of scripture. It's talking about God's glory. And he says, he warns, if you're going to ever see my glory, you're going to have to die. Only dead men can see God. It's not talking about physical death. There it is. But I'm trying to tell you that in the New Testament, we can actually see his face because he tells us to seek his face. If he tells us to seek his face, we can see him, but we still have to die. There's a principal connection between his glory and death. Only dead men see the face of God. And the truth of the matter is we want him to come and we beg him to come. We say, dear Lord, would you meet with us tonight? Would you speak to my heart? But if he really shows up and did something in your heart, in such a way we absolutely stripped you of everything that you ever thought you were. Would you run from him? Or would you run to him? Good. If God shook this place, I mean just literally shook this place tonight, would it scare you and you'd run, jump in your car and leave? Or would you say, oh my goodness. Only dead men can see the face of God. And if we're ever going to have revival in America, it's going to take time to do 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You need to read through it very carefully and understand it would take a, a long time before a church will ever humble itself 
Got to get the preacher humble first. Then the membership, all the membership. You understand we're a body? Since we're a body, we're all part. It all got to work together. I can't have a hat going out of my throat. I can't. And when we have church members that are actually going for the throat of the preacher, the throat of other members, trying to, we're a part of a body. You can't fight. The body can't fight. That's called cancer. And if we can ever get in one accord at one place, we can see revival. But in most churches, we can't see that. There's a difference in glory preaching and just getting down where you live. And I'm telling you right now that we're going to have to get this thing straight somewhere, somehow. If you've got a stinking bad attitude, you're a hindrance to the church. You need to get on board and understand we're headed somewhere. Let's go together. And so we see that when conviction comes, it will fall on hard cases. And when the church family is together, You'll see people come here and all of a sudden conviction will fall. When they walk through the door, they'll say, man, I feel the conviction of the Spirit of God. Because when he shows up, I'm just simply saying that we got to plow through that thing. Humility, pray. Preacher, so preach such a marvelous message on ask, seek, and knock. You act like you just go do that. I mean, if you spend time with, you know, he said something very interesting. He said, the longer I pray, the smaller I feel. The truth of the matter is, the longer you pray, you ought to absolutely dissipate. You should get off your face and say, I'm nothing. I heard of a missionary woman sitting and she said, I'm like this dirt. And she was just throwing the dirt in the air. If God's going to ever show us his face somewhere, somehow, we're going to have to plow through 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. You see, we just want things from God. I said that last time. I think I was here. I think I said it here. I don't want to preach all over. I don't know. But it's, it's like we always want, we, it's like God's an ATM machine. We always want things from, dear God, be, you know, do this for me. Dear God, can I have this? And dear God, would you, we're always asking him for things and saying, Lord, I don't want anything. I just want you. That's what I want. When I was a kid, I, in Christmas time, I, I always wanted things from my father. As I grew up, I didn't want anything from my father. I just wanted my father. And I started doing things for him. I didn't want him to go to the grave without me ever buying him a suit, shoes, tie. I'm simply saying, when was the last time we experienced weeping at the altar and crying out? You remember as a boy, if your daddy was a pastor, when sometimes those are in the mountains up there, but also anywhere, up even up north with the Stayed Yankees. We say, oh, oh, God. Oh, God, help me. We used to hear that. When was the last time, Brother Angel, we heard that in a meeting? We even, we even experienced that when, when we first got started. We had meetings like that. Holy Ghost so thick, he cut it with a knife. But I'm talking about when God showed up, we had, we, let me tell you what an altar's for. It's to die on. Every place I read it in the Word of God, altars are to die on. So when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you, you ought to come and die to whatever he convicts you of. But I said the other day, there's two reasons you ought to walk the aisle because he spoke to you and because he didn't speak to you. You ought to come and ask why. I'm, I'm simply saying that, boy, it, it, it's amazing. When was the last time we heard stuff like that? And, and if we're going to ever have a revival, we're going to have to take time. Preach, I want to say this, and, and I'm not trying to start anything, but there's got to be a time where people come and fall on their face and we don't have to wait on them. 
string the invitation out to the point where it makes people hard. If they're on their face, say, close the door when you leave. When was the last time we had people actually lay on the, on the altar and everybody go home except those that are on the altar? And when they finish getting a hold of God, they can leave the building. You worried about your building? What, they're going to steal your microphones? Lock them up. I don't know. I don't tell you. Now, see, this ain't going nowhere with you because you don't like to shout about this, but I'm trying to tell you right now that we need to leave that alone. And when was the last time we ever had folks come to the altar and just absolutely stay there until they get victory in their lives? We're so, so quick to go out of a place when the conviction of God is there and all of a sudden we go out and turn the music on or get to fellowship in some and all of a sudden, Spirit of God goes away. Just sit there and settle in and watch God do some things. I'm just simply saying that if, if we can have enough people to reject the powers of darkness in Satan's do domain with humility and brokenness and repentance of our transgression, God will slap an eviction sign on the doors of Satan, and maybe we could see some things happen in our churches. We can have revival. Like Dr. Rice used to say, you pray it down and you work it out. I said, you pray it down, you work it out. The preacher talked about that. I said, you pray it down and you work it out. If all you do is pray and don't put your prayers to shoe leather, you ain't doing nothing. Our fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist church was the biggest churches in the nation in every state in, in the United States of America at one time. And that's not so anymore because we have gotten away from what we used to do a long time ago. Pray fast and win souls of Jesus Christ. Pretty simple. Christian life, pretty simple. But we've gotten away from that. I'm simply saying that we can have revival, but we pray it down and work it out. We want the windows of heaven to open to our city and preach. I hope you pray in that way. Dear God, do something in Corpus Christi. Do something in Corpus Christi and, and close the gates of hell, please. We desire to see people saved and come to Jesus Christ. They're bound by sin and shame and they can come and be born again and see their life change in a heartbeat. It's a, I think it's amazing this week that two men are preaching to you one come from a bad background and lost, and another one, I guess, came from a Christian background but got backslidden and came out of a boy's home. We need places where people like us can come. And when we walk in, we say, oh, God. I used to sit at Central Baptist Church and look around at the men and said I could never be like them. They're perfect. Those men are perfect. I could never stand the pulpit and do with that preacher. I could never do that. See, God has a place for you, and if you just plant yourself and watch God do some things in your life, you can be delivered from all kind of stuff. I'm just simply saying, but, but we need to be, you know, we're more interested in the burning bush than the God that burnt the bush. We like showtime, we just don't like closet time. And if you can ever see God face to face somewhere, you're going to have to get alone and get away from all the externals. Some of you folks right now, you just can't wait. I mean, you got to reach in that phone. Can't wait to get out of here. Can't wait to get out of here. If you lost your phone, you go absolutely nuts. If you live with your kid at church, so what? We'll get him later. We'll get him on Wednesday night. You know to be true. You know I'm telling the truth about this. We have gone crazy. Something has happened in our independent Baptist churches when this thing came out. And I got more. I get more work done because of that thing. Thank God for good technology. I'm not being. I'm not fussing about it. I'm just saying that we're so sidetracked, and we're so 
Absolutely. I mean, we just we gotten away from what we used to do. Some sometimes couples don't even talk anymore because they're playing with their phones all the time. But we want revival. I don't want more blessing. I want the blesser. I don't want more gifts. I want the giver. You get to the point, just like I said a while ago, and as I got older, I wanted I wanted my father. I didn't I didn't want anything from him. I just wanted him. And when we get to the point in our churches when that's the position we're at, he just may show up and do some things that's unusual. You'll never see his face until you come to the altar and die, die to self. Listen, I'm talking about dying to your desires and dying to your dreams and dying to your aspirations and dying to your visions and let him resurrect it. Preacher, it's good that you're doing a building, but somewhere, somehow, I've learned this down through 40 years of pastoring. You've got to die to everything you want to do. And let God bring it back. And when he brings it back and resurrect it, it's going to be better than what you can ever do. So somewhere, somehow, we got to understand that we just got to die to a lot of that stuff. Are y'all with me now? So as I sat on a rock at Whiting, Indiana, praying my senior year, dear God, anywhere in the world, you send me, you want to send me to Muslim country, I'll go in a heartbeat, son. I told God, I'll go anywhere, it doesn't matter. Mission field, I'll go anywhere, Lord. Anywhere in the world. And on a clear day, I'd see the Sears Tower. And I said, except Chicago. <laughs> I got, God, hearing what I'm saying right now, I said, except Chicago land area. I want to get out of this armpit. I'm out of here, man, so fast. Make your nose bleed. And then a little church called me. Amen. Whew. Had 100, 104 people. I was still in Bible college going back and forth. And they called me. Went from 104 to 31 in one Sunday. <laughs> fastest, fastest decline in church in the state of Illinois. I was shocked. Sort of Lord never contacted me to come preach. <laughs> fastest climbing church in Illinois. And we started in a high school or in a grade school and started from there. 40 years in a little bit of place. Uncomfortable with a bunch of rich suburbanites that ran around in XJ6s, Beamers, and Mercedes. And had to go in there and say, you folks are riding the high life but God don't even have a house somewhere. Somehow you're going to have to get your priorities right. Why don't you sell all that stuff and let's start throwing some money toward a building and let's get a building for God. How about that one? Say, you that bold, come see and ask, ask my boys around here. Yeah, with that bold, because somewhere somebody's got to challenge the people to understand what the work of God's about and is very important. And now for all these years, as I stepped away just the other day, over 52,000 people walked the aisle, streamed down the aisles to be saved. And more, more than half of those baptized in those 40 years. Because somebody was uncomfortable with God about some things. But I just kept showing up for duty. And I sought his face and wanted to see him and know him. And you can know him too. But somewhere you've got to have to die and die. You know, I, I thought about, and Brother Angel knows this, we, we, you know, we preach with, we preach with, with the old men that are all dead now. I mean, the, the Malones and the, the Seitlers and, the, and the, the Robertsons and the Howells and, and, and Rices, all those guys, they're all dead now. But there's one thing they used to preach a long time ago, die to self. We don't hear that kind of preaching, Brother Angel, anymore. Dying to self. This generation is living for themselves. And then even some of the older folks are doing it. 
I just can't understand right. older folks, gray-headed folks, sitting in a rock and roll church doing this stuff with the young people. I just can't understand it. You're a fool. You're, you know, there's nothing like an old fool. There's nothing like an old fool. Fool's bad enough, but an old fool's fool. I don't know if you know this. I, I never checked the wind, never have, never will. Got to die to your reputation. I've never known a preacher to ever do anything with God until he dies to his reputation. Somewhere, somehow, you have to forget what people think, and you better preach that book the way it is. And you better tell people what's right and what's wrong. This whole nation is going to hell because nobody, this church, listen, our nation is not in the situations in because of the worldly, ungodly crowd that all of us want to point our finger at. Our nation's in the in the shape it's in because the pulpits of America have gotten away, have gotten away from what this church stands for. There was a day even the Methodists, Presbyterians, I mean, they used to stand strong, don't anymore. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be great if God would do to America what he did with Nineveh? Y'all want revival? I thought, you, I thought this was supposed to be a revival. We're talking about it. I'm not talking about pulling heartstrings and trying to give illustrations to make you weep. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Wouldn't it be nice if God would do something in America that he did in Nineveh? That'd be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it not? See, but Jonah had to repent and see the face of God, and he went to Whale University. Are y'all listening? Just listen, because I just told you, he's not going to see the face of God until he dies. And in Whale University, that was his death and resurrection when he was spit out. Now think about that for a minute. You can know God, and you can know his face, and you can have his face. And preacher, it's a wonderful thing when you can view out your people like this, and you can see it on their face. Dr. Angel and I have preached long enough to know that we can see people out there that we, that, that we pastor, man, they're so full of the joy of God and everything's wonderful in life. And, just, and then we can see when it changes. We can see the first Sunday like, okay, they're, just having, a, they're having a bad day. Having a bad Sunday. Oh, they're having a bad Wednesday now. <laughs> they have another bad Sunday and another bad Wednesday. And all of a sudden, you know something's not right with them. Your face will always show your heart. And then you see when they change. And preaching will do that. If we can get our people to listen to old-fashioned preachers that used to preach in yesteryear, they'll understand us more. But what they're doing is going on the Internet, watching these little cute boys that think they got it all together, got it figured out. So now we're recovering fundamentalists. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what a recovering alcoholic is. It's a man that was a drunk <laughs> that's now in recovery which meant he was a drunk. You can't be a recovering fundamentalist if you never was a fundamentalist. These stupid little girls, they don't know what they're talking about. You say, you're being ugly. I'm trying to be ugly right now. I'm sick up to hear a little reverence trying to step on the old men that paid the price of that book and paid the price for our movement. You're simply saying that it's a shame. And so we need to understand, boy, I want revival. I've given my life to revival. I've traveled almost 40 years beside pastor my church, and I want to see revival. Nazareth could have had revival because Jesus came to it, couldn't do anything because of their unbelief. They were comfortable in their complacency, but uncomfortable 
with conviction. Somewhere, folks, we just got to get this thing down that we need to come to church prepared to come to church. When I play, when I play ball, I prepare to play ball. I can't play ball anymore. I wish I could. Kim can tell you, I can't watch games. I want to play. I play football. I want to play. You say, yo, fat preacher, you. Well, bless God, I could at least do one play if I can get the pads on, right? But anyway, I, but I just want to hit somebody. I mean, it just that's part of us. That's what we did, right? But I can't do that anymore. So I don't get prepared for that, and it's hard for me to watch because I want to participate. But now we hunt a little bit, right? We prepare to hunt. It's a shame that we prepare to do all that stuff. When you go on vacation, you're so pumped up and excited, you prepare. When we come to church, come on, get a call. Let's go. We don't, we don't even prepare for Sunday. We're not prayed up. We're not dressed up. We're not spirited up. We're not ready to go. We're not sung up. We just show up to church and figure whatever's going to happen, and then you get mad at somebody because somebody didn't treat you right or didn't say hello to you. God help you. And so this is what we got going on, and we wonder why we can't have revival. The crowd needs to die to self and let God be God in their lives. I'll never finish this message. But we need to be walking, we need to be walking dead men. That's exactly what Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, isn't it? Come on, talk to me now. A living sacrifice. That's dead. Get on the altar. A living sacrifice. Die. That's what it's talking about. And somewhere, somewhere, somehow, you just got to forget about yourself and your feelings and how they, and preacher, if you can ever get your membership there, they're not going to get offended. Great peace had they that love thy law and nothing. So somewhere, somehow, if you can get dead men, they have no feelings. And they'll see his face and they'll understand that's who we're supposed to live for. So Romans 12, 1 bears that out. You know, high priest was a walking dead man. My beautiful piano player is going to have a good boy. You need to have that boy. That little girl needs a boy. Brother in that house to humble her. <laughs> you said something about that high priest. But you only tied a rope around his leg, did it not? Because when he went into the Holy of Holies, if he had any defilement, God would kill him. But wouldn't that be good if we had a little Acts chapter 5 in here when somebody lie about tithing, God just... <laughs> now, see, you don't, like, you don't like New Testament. You like that Old Testament stuff. You don't like that New Testament stuff. You think that's cruel. It's not cruel. It's God's word. Excuse me. But if he killed every nine tithing in the church, it would just be me and Brother Terry. But anyway, <laughs> think about it. And then the wife comes in, lies also, kills her too. That's New Testament. Mm -hmm. That's when God shows up. He shakes things up. But if he was defiled, they had to pull him out, right? And he took the blood of the sacrificial lamb. He's going into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle on the mercy seat. He put a little on his ears, earlobes, put a little on his thumbs, put a little on his big toes. Listen carefully now. Symbolically, taking upon the appearance of death. If he's going to go into the Holy of Holies and the Shekinah glory is going to come in, he had to represent that. And when the Shekinah glory came in, that, that fall came in, that smoke came in, he couldn't see. See, no flesh is going to stand before him. And that's what you need to understand. If you're going to see his face, some, something's going to have to happen to this flesh. 
So, well, this is all we have. So I, I understand that, but I'm trying to teach you a Bible principle. If you're going to ever know him the way you ought to know him, you're going to have to die to your flesh somewhere. We got everybody will go through this life and never really know what God really, really all about. That you're saved by the grace of God and we're using his salvation, his blood for a far escape from hell, but you really don't know him. He had to get on his hands and knees in humility and crawl under that veil. And that's what we need to do. If I perish, I perish, but I'm going to see his face. I want to see his face. And we need to do that. I, we, we love ourselves too much in this generation and we refuse to die. It's all about us, not about him. And we have, if you ever wondered, and this, this plagued me for a long time, Brother Che, as I read down through the Word of God, he took this and I, I saw one, a replica of, of a mercy seed and they take that and cut that bullock up or whatever, and they put it in there, burn it, a burnt sacrifice. Have you ever been around burnt flesh? I was a fireman for a while. That did, that'll change your life. <laughs> Have you ever been around a burnt animal? Burnt hair? Burnt meat? That'll change your life. Are y'all waving today? Why did God say that's a sweet savor to me? How does burnt animals? Because... Death will bring God close. And that's the only thing you can ever come up with. That somebody obeyed God and gave that sacrifice. That sacrifice. Picturing the sacrifice that was going to take place. But when something dies, God draws close. And God will do something at Heritage Baptist Church. If we can get a membership to understand the truth I'm trying to give you. That some of us have never experienced but when you're experiencing, God will show up in a way in your own personal life. And preacher, we're not careful. We want it to be collectively, but sometimes it's individually. And as individual, one at a time, we'll begin to see it happen. Then all of a sudden, collectively, it'll happen. Repentance and brokenness in the New Testament is equivalent to death. Repentance and brokenness in the New Testament is equivalent to death. That is talking about the Old Testament. Somewhere, somehow... We need to understand this matter of brokenness. And I told the two preachers, the two Che boys that last night, did I not, or Sunday. I'm not being unkind. I'm not trying to put heavy on them. But God has never used somebody that has not bruised. And God needs to break you before he can ever make you. And he's got to do something in your life that you not, not understanding. And it's going to be very uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable. But you're going to have to obey him. Because when you're sitting next to your loved one, especially your spouse, and they're about to exit this world, that's the most uncomfortable position you'll ever be in. When you see some of the people of this church that you love extremely, even some children, the younger ones that you love so much, are so innocent, and all of a sudden they're struck down with a, with a disease or maybe a terminal illness, you go, dear God. You're about to experience brokenness. When that happens, you're going to find out that you're going to get closer to God then than you ever have been. And that's what we don't like. That's when we get uncomfortable a bit. Paul said, I crucify the flesh daily. 
Oh, we like to use that verse. Why don't we live the verse? Why don't we look at that and say, the only way I'm going to ever see his face is to die, which means if I'm going to be anything like Paul, I'm going to have to die of the flesh. Paul gave us 13 books of the New Testament, and he did that because he saw the face of God, and he understood that thing. You go down through that thing, and you look at the sufferings of Paul, and you'll see he went through all of it. I think the preacher mentioned that this morning. Because when God does that to you, he's going to strip you of everything. We got it made in the shade with Kool-Aid. We got our money. We got our trucks. We got our cars. We got our 401ks. We got our homes. We got, our, we got everything. We got it made in the shade with Kool-Aid. And the truth of the matter is sometimes God's got to strip you of everything. God doesn't mind you having things. He bothered with you, things having you. And when we just have things and they don't have us, he's okay with that as long as you die to everything that you feel you are. And when you do that, God will do something in you forever. I'm done tonight. I just want you to go through those scriptures, if you would, and read them again and understand that God wants us near. Don't run from him. Run to him. When, when they... When he told them, come, God's going to speak to us, and all that was going on in that mountain, and the earth was shaking, they took off. And when God Almighty came in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Are you going to tell me the omnipotent God didn't know where Adam and Eve were? He knew where they were. But this is what he's saying. You used to meet with, listen carefully, please, now, because they were dead. They were dead before. They had never sinned. So they're naked and didn't, wasn't embarrassed. And they met with him there. They went and met with the Lord at a certain place, a certain time, every day. And one day they didn't show up. Where art thou? We, we're hiding. We're running from you. Instead of to you, preacher, you're going to lose people from the church. It's going to have to do more with sin. They're going to run from God instead of to God. When you preach hard against sin, they ought to come and repent and get it right. And that's that death that I'm talking about. But a lot of times they'll run that way instead of this way. Then they'll pay for it in their marriages, in their children, and it's a sad thing. Somewhere we've got to die of that. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.